0: It's my wonderful opportunity to take a moment to talk about <laughs> uh, Dr. James Morocco. He's uh, he's my pastor, and uh, and and Pastor Karen's pastor, and he's our he's our senior pastor. I uh, basically got saved under his ministry, and and twenty uh, something years ago, years a number of years ago, you asked me how long you've been in our church. I said, uh, all my life, because I was dead before I got here. <laughs> and uh, it is a tremendous honor, and what a great man of God, great scholar. You're in for a tremendous touch of God. Please put your best hand, clap together for Dr. <laughs>
1: Well, give Jesus a big hand. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, you know, I live in Hawaii, so you've got to greet me the Hawaiian way. Aloha. Oh, i tell you what. I'm, I'm with family tonight. Somebody say amen. Hey, take your Bibles just a moment. And uh, I want you to turn to uh, a very unusual verse of scripture. I want to give greetings from my beautiful wife, Pastor Colleen. She sure wanted to be here. She was with me in my earlier part of my trip. I've been traveling quite a bit this last two months. I've been to uh, Germany. We took 44 people from Hawaii to Israel and Jordan. We had... A, incredible time. We um, we went to Spain, and I preached in our church in Spain, and then I went to San Francisco, preached at our church there, then went up and opened our new church in Spokane, Washington. Everybody say, wow. wow. Then I get home just in time to get on a plane again and start traveling again, and We've been to Oklahoma and Arkansas and Texas and Oregon and Washington. Now I get to be with you. And I get to go home for one day. Hallelujah. And then start all over again. But it's awesome. I wouldn't trade it for the world because God is doing an incredible work through KC. It's amazing. You can't even imagine it. It's beyond imagination. Thousands and thousands of people being touched by what God's doing through you. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 20. And I want us to read verses 7 through 12. Acts 20. On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. I won't do that to you. Amen. Amen. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting and seated in the window was a young man named Muticus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. And the people took the young man home alive and was greatly comforted. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp. It is a light. It is that which transforms us. And Lord, I thank you for the awesome privilege of being a part of what you're doing right here in Alaska. I thank you for Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen and all the pastors and ministers that are part of the team here in Alaska and how you're using them mightily. I thank you, Lord, for a people that are rising up to become a strong army, your voice in this community. Lord, I'm asking that you would anoint me to impart something that would be life-changing. As you spoke to me, so speak to them. Give them revelation, I pray. Come on, people, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Ramakoti. Spirit of God, come. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, eyes to see. I pray for an anointing, Lord, to come upon me in great measure. Holy Ghost, come. Come in power, come in might. We'll be sure to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was leaving Maui to travel on this trip and the holy spirit nudged me he said i want you to take a message that you preached back in 2005 i want you to take that on your trip with you well pastor daniel bracken is a brilliant man he keeps records of every message he preaches and other people preach and, and he's 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 brilliant i'm just not that brilliant And I can't remember one message from the next. And so I said to my secretary, do you have this certain message? And she looked through the records and there it was. And I realized as I began to travel that why God had told me this. It's because what you're about to hear is a revelation. It's something God spoke to me 12 to 13 years ago that put a dent, a, a uh, how can I say it, put, a, put a, a, a deep conviction in my life concerning what we as the people of God must do in order to fulfill the purpose and plan of God. You see, all of you have an enemy whether you know it or not. That enemy is the devil and he works in your fallen human nature and he attempts to derail you from what God has for you. In the order to break that derailment, you need revelation from God. And this passage became a point of revelation that was transformational for me. I want to share it with you tonight. When you look at this particular text, you'll note that Paul is on his final missionary journey. He is fully aware that when he gets to Jerusalem, because the Holy Spirit everywhere he's gone has been telling him, this is going to happen, you're going to become a prisoner. You're going to have problems. So there's a sense in which when he comes to Troas, he wants to be sure to tell the people everything he's got because he's not going to be back there again. He has no idea what will happen. Only he knows that his life will be in jeopardy and he may never come back there again. So you get this sense that Paul is trying to unload everything he can to a group of hungry people. The problem is, however, that they're meeting in a third story building. It's, you know, they don't have electric lights like we have. They have lamps that produce smoke and produce heat. And if the place is full, you can imagine how stuffy it must have been very quickly. And Paul didn't work on a clock. He just preached as long as he had revelation to give. And he preached on and on and on. You'll notice something very interesting here that Paul even stayed in Troas for those seven days so he could preach to the church. And you'll notice that the church met on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. That is extremely important to understand because Paul is a Jew. And one of the covenant signs of Judaism, of course, is circumcision. Another is the Sabbath that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai as a covenant sign. But Paul understood something. All of the covenant signs were fulfilled in Christ. He understood something that the law itself was fulfilled in Christ. And when Christ rose from the dead, the dead a new day had dawned. And Sunday became the day of resurrection and the day where the people of God gathered to worship. Because the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. He is our rest. So he waits an entire week just to be able to have this time with the church. He's preaching away, it's hot, it's difficult. And a young man sitting by a window falls fast asleep. And out the window he goes, three stories down, he's dead. Wow. Now you look at that story and you go, whoa. Whoa, uh, that's really tragic. Whose fault is this? Well, now, if this happened today, I'm going to guarantee you there'd be lawsuits. How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody would sue the preacher. It's the preacher's fault. He's preached too long. It was his fault. Let's blame the preacher. Somebody would have said, no, 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 wait a minute. It's not the preacher's fault. It's that young man's fault. How dare he fall asleep when Paul the apostle is preaching? How horrible is that? He got what he deserved. Some people would have blamed the elders of the church. Come on, it was their fault. No ventilation system. Where was the air conditioning when you needed it? Let's sue them. And some would have even blamed the parents. How come you weren't watching your son? It's your fault. And when I read this text, these thoughts began to flood my mind and I thought, my That's exactly the way it would have been today. And then it hit me. God gave me a revelation. And here was the revelation. Stop blaming and raise the dead. Somebody say that with me. Stop blaming and raise the dead. Now say it like you mean it. Stop blaming and raise the dead. Some people never solve their problems because they're always blaming others. Instead, God wants to see wants us to see that our problems is an opportunity for God to do a miracle. Somebody say amen. I looked at this text, and I said, "Oh God, How do I stop blaming and raise the dead? And he showed me that out of the actions of the Apostle Paul, we see a pattern that if we grab onto it, it'll change our lives. Here's the first thing. You'll notice that Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. He embraced the problem. Turn to your neighbor and say, he embraced the problem. He didn't ignore it. He didn't say, Oh, it really didn't happen. We have people saying stuff that's absolutely stupid. Things do happen. We must face our problems. But he didn't just face his problems, he believed something. He believed that God had the power to change things because he'd done it before. Elijah raised the dead, Elisha raised the dead. Jesus raised a widow's son, Jairus' daughter, and raised himself from the grave. Peter raised Dorcas. And Paul, I believe, was raised from the dead in in the book of Acts, Acts 14, when they stoned him there in Lystra, and he went into the third heaven. Says the church gathered around him and he got up. But if we're going to believe God for the miracle, if we're going to embrace the problem, we better do things God's way. And you'll notice what Paul did. He stretched himself out on that young man. Now that wasn't by accident. He understood that's what Elijah did. He understood that was what Elisha did. He was attempting to do things God's way. He fully got involved in seeing the miracle take place. When I went to Maui... 37 years ago, I was 30 years old. I went to a little church of 100 people. The thing doubled the first Sunday, tripled within three months. And the first year it grew to over 700 people. Became one of the fastest growing churches in America. Took over the first, the largest facility on the island, a skating rink, within a year and a half. We hit a 1,000 in me. A lot of great things took place. But did you know all of that could have been derailed in the first three months? Let me tell you what happened. Three months into the ministry, my wife was talking to the chief board member of the board. She came home and she said, Honey, he's committing adultery. I said, no way. He was the most spiritual man uh, in the church. He was a leader in the church. He was the head of the board. I said, that's impossible. She said, he's committing adultery. I said, how do you know that? I just know that. I'm 30 years old. He has more influence in the church than I do. Come on. I've been there three months. I'll never forget. Standing outside praying one evening by my home. I said, God, if this is it, and this whole thing explodes, I'm going to do it your way. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to face this thing. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to face it. So I confronted him. And I said, uh, my wife says you're committing adultery. Is that true? He said, yeah, I am. I said, you've got to stop and repent. He said, I'm not going to. Matthew 18 tells us what we're supposed to do, so I went with two or three, went over to his home one evening to confront him again. You don't do it because you hate the person. You do it so they'll repent so they can get back to God. He threw me out of the house. So I gathered my board together, I told him exactly what was going on, and I said, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 that we are are to turn some man like this over to the devil for the destruction of his flesh. I had never done that in my life. I didn't even know how to do it, and nobody's ever written a book on it. (laughs) So I met with the board, and I said, today we are going to declare this man is given to the devil. And I stood, and they all stood, and I prayed, and I said, God, remove the anointing that is upon him because he's a part of this church. You don't understand it. There's an anointing over you because you're part of this church. And when that's removed, that's sad. And I said, Lord, because of your word, I turn this man now over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. In three days, he got an incurable disease. The doctor said, you're going to die. He came back to me at the end of that week and said, I repent. I said, you go before all the men of the church because you offended them by your evil action. And you repent to them. There's times you just have to face things. The end result of that confrontation was that man repented. Later on in his life, he f- fell into the same thing. It seems like the devil loves to keep a hook in people. But did you know his wife stayed in the church and his family? She, God brought to her a wonderful man. and They've been married now for over 30 years. And, and just God turned it into a miracle. But a young preacher, 30 years old, had to put his ministry on the line to do what was right. You don't run from your problems. Because they'll always be there if you do. You smack them upside the head. Oh, good, and I get to smack my husband now. I'm gonna No, 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 I didn't say that. He's not your problem. The devil is. <laughs> Are you still with me? Everybody say embrace the problem. problem. But the second thing you'll notice, and it's really not in the text, but it's in the life of the Apostle Paul. I want you to ask yourself this question. When he's running down those three stories to get to that boy, what do you think he's doing? Well, if you read the epistles, you'll know what he's doing. First Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4.6, he says, don't worry about anything, but by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Ephesians 6.18, he's saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I believe Paul was praying. Amen. The second thing we must do is pray. You see, our problem is we have not because we ask not. A lot of people look at prayer as they look at the dentist's office. The only time you pray is when you're in trouble. If that's you, I'm going to pray you stay in trouble all the time. (laughs) Pastor Daniel, just write a letter to me. Tell me the people in the church that needs me to pray like that. And we'll just be fine. Because if that's what it takes for you to pray. Don't be surprised. You'll have a lot of problems. You see, prayer ought to be a lifestyle. It ought to be a part of who you are. Not something you do. When you're in trouble. My dad wrote in the fly leaf of my Bible when I was just a young man these words if a preacher of the gospel doesn't pray two hours a day is not worth a dime. So I'm about twenty years old. I said, if I'm gonna do anything, I'm gonna do that. And that's become my lifestyle. Prayer is not an option at Casey, it's our life. People have asked me, how in the world can you be one church now in 160 locations? We are growing extremely rapidly. Buying buildings, opening congregations. It's, you know, I I, I feel like I'm riding a surfboard, trying to balance on the surfboard. All I do is balance. It's the wave that carries. Of course, I've never surfed. I body surf, so (laughs) my body's built for surfing, body surfing, not uh, surfboarding. But it's a good illustration. And prayer has been the key. I've always had a sensitivity to prayer, but when I went to Korea in 1984... I became a part of Dr. Cho's church growth board. Been standing on a stage with a million people praying. You couldn't see one end from the other. I've preached at Olympic Stadium with 100,000 people there for a prayer meeting many times. And it shakes you to your core. You realize why a nation like ours that at one time was Christian is now becoming much less than Christian. And a Buddhist nation is becoming a Christian nation, Korea. In 1984, God did a great thing. He sent my father. My father pastored, I was a missionary to Calcutta, where I was born, and, and launched, the well, which is today one of the largest ministries in all of India. And then he took over Lester Summerall's church in Manila which is today one of the largest churches in that nation. It was the largest church in the nation for many years. In fact, dad had called me back in 1979 Excuse me, in 1979, and said, son, would you take this church? I, wanna, I sense the Lord's going to have me move on. And, and God said, no, I don't want you to take that church. I want you to go to a little church in Maui. That church today is 30,000 people. He said, I don't understand. Why would God have you go to a tiny little church so I could stand here today with you? Amen. Which wouldn't be happening if that hadn't happened. We don't know all the ways of God. But when you pray, God directs your steps. In 1984, Dad joined my staff. He started the early morning prayer meeting. And he was old-time Pentecost. He'd pray loud. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? About five of you. All right. Well, I'm talking, you you shook heaven and shook everything around you when you prayed. That was dad. We were in the skating rink at the time. He'd pull his chair out in the middle of that rink and he'd pray loud. And I had a hard time getting up in the morning and I'd kind of crawl in the corner and sleep and hitchhike on his prayer. That went on for two years and then he dies. Buried on Maui. We did a service on Maui. Brother Lester Sommer all came and preached this funeral. And in the four years between the time he retired in Manila and the time that he came to my church in Maui, he was the campus pastor of Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And little did he know then that his son, me, would end up becoming the chairman of the board of Christ for the Nations. And preached the commencement there just th- last Friday. We were having a service, and I've told this story many times, but it was so moving to me. We were having a service in Dallas for him, and I visited a friend of mine who pastored at that time one of the largest churches in Dallas. I was sitting to the far right over there. Just minding my own business, listening to the message. And he stops the message, and he comes behind me, and he prophesies. He says, a double anointing is coming on you that was on your dad. I didn't feel anything. I said, that's cool. I I don't even know what that is. I was about ready to find out. My first day back to Maui, the first day. At four in the morning, something happened that shook me. Come on. My eyes opened. <laughs> that was a miracle. <laughs> it was a miracle. Four, 4.30. And from 1986 till today, Come on. that's what happens at that time. And I'm at the early morning prayer meeting. If I'm not in Louis, I'm in Makawao. Only time I don't go, go to the prayer meeting is when I get up that early and my wife gets up and says, you ain't going. You stay in bed, you're sick, and you're not going. It's a command from the Lord. I say, okay. Right. <laughs> Other than that, I'm there. It's been the very thing that's kept us alive. Please, friends. Don't, 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 don't just ignore... The importance of a lifestyle of prayer. I'm not talking just praying when you get in problems. I'm talking a lifestyle. It's it's the way you live. Amen. Let me tell you how powerful this is. The deep one of the deep concerns on me is is what's happening here in Alaska. The way God got me to Alaska, you're aware of it. We had a great revival on Maui in 1995, and Brother Ken Gable was in our church at the time, and Ken said, you know, uh, I'd like to go to, back to Wasilla and start a church. I said, go, and I'll help you. Came, did a week of meetings, and we helped him financially. He started the church, but it was his church. I said, it's your church. It's not mine. It's your church. A year later, he calls me on the phone. He says, he says uh, I'm not supposed to be the pastor of this church. You are. I said, look, I live on Maui. That's Alaska. And at that time, I didn't have a vision. See, vision is always progressive. You start where you are, and then God broadens it. And at that time, I didn't have a vision for the mainland. So I said to God, I said, God, do you want me to pastor in Alaska? I said, if you do. When I'd been here a week, I saw an 18-acre piece of property with a barn and a house on it. And I said to Ken, I said, Ken, try to buy that property. Well, he never could be able to. So in prayer, I said, God, if you want me in Alaska, I want that property. That property became available to us on an agreement of sale. That meant the owner was going to finance it. And we bought it, I think, for something like $750,000. I put the church in the barn, put Pastor Ken in the house, and I became the pastor of Alaska. Time goes by. We're building a shopping, we're 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 remodeling a large facility in a shopping center in Honolulu. And the Lord speaks to me, he said, buy a church. This is what we bought. Sell the property, use part of the money for, for helping Honolulu. Well, we were able to sell it for three million dollars. God gave me two and a quarter million dollars. Amen. This church was bought, Pastor Daniel came up. Now we're now we're just going like gangbusters and we're in multiple services. And about two or three years ago, I said to him, I said, you know, the church isn't big enough for what God's gonna do. We've got to find something bigger. And he said, look, I said, why don't you go look at that property we once owned, see if it's for sale? He called. It was four million dollars. Time went by. Couldn't get it out of my heart. And God had a way to do it. He, he put it in the heart of this young man, Danny. Amen. They'd gone to a movie and Danny said, Dad, we've got to go see that property, Pastor Morocco told you about. It. And he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> That's a gift from God, son. <laughs> Pastor Daniel goes on that property and the power of the Lord touches him. Overwhelms him. And he realized destiny was all over that property. So he calls the next morning, the property had been foreclosed on, the bank was selling it for a million dollars. We bought it back that week. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus Lord. Let me tell you what just has happened. So that thing's been a burden on me because we got to build a building. That's right. And the problem is it's millions. Yes. And I have to raise millions just to stay alive. <laughs> Hello, come on, guys. You try pastoring one church in 160 locations. Constantly raising up staff, constantly looking for buildings. We just opened in Morgantown, West Virginia. We just opened in two towns in Iowa. We're opening all over the world. Things are just popping. So I said, God, I need a bank. I need a bank. (laughs) I need a bank to run with me. One of the problems you have when you have an organization this large is that we've got a lot. You know, asset-wise, we're incredible. When I came to Maui, the asset value of our little church was $150,000. Today, the asset value of our church is over $100 million. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. This is no little thing. But cash flow is what banks look at. And every dollar you give, we spend quicker than you give it. So I'm praying God will give it to you faster and you put it in the offering faster. Amen. We're not, we're not around just hanging on to money. I think that's wrong. I, you, you use it for the kingdom. So, so, so I'm praying, oh God, I need a bank to fly with me. And uh, had a local bank that was willing to Loan us up to the value of what they felt our cash flow could handle, which, which was a certain amount of money, but it wasn't enough to buy the steel with. And my goal was to get enough money to buy the steel, get the foundation in, wrap the building all up, and then believe that you guys will be prosperous and finish the building. Somebody say amen. amen. That was my faith. That was what I believed. But that meant you need at least about 5 or $6 million because you got to pay off the land as well. I said, oh, God. Did you know what happened? I'm praying like that. I'm praying. Oh, God. I'm flying to Germany. This is a month and a half ago. I'm flying to Germany to go to the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's tacking of the uh, 95 thesis on the Wittenberg castle door. On the Wittenberg chapel door. I have to stop in New York. And a friend of mine asked if I'd preach for him on Sunday morning. I was there Saturday night and preached Sunday morning, left Sunday afternoon. But Saturday night we were eating dinner together and we just happened to be talking. I just happened to say, you know, I've got this project in Alaska. I need a certain amount of money. He said, have you ever talked to this fellow? And he gave me a name. I said, who's he? He said, well, he's the loan officer of a bank that may be able to help you. I said, what bank is it? Are you ready? Yeah. It's the first bank of Owasso. I said, "Owasso, where is Owasso?" I said that. I said, "Do you know where that is? Anybody know where that is?" Brother, brother Diamond knows where it is. His family's from there. Owasso. It's right outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I'm in Germany, and I call this guy on the phone. He says, well, we're, we're open to help you. And I send him all the things. And, and then I'm, I'm, I fly back to Maui, and then I catch a plane and go to Enid, Oklahoma last week. And, and then I'm driving to Arkansas, so I stop and I visit the bank, meet with the owners of the bank, meet with the board of directors, come to find out they're all Christians that own the bank. Their deepest desire is to fund church projects. 60% of their money is, is in church buildings. I've never heard of them. I said, how come you don't tell people? He says, we don't tell people. We just figure if God has them for us, he'll get them to us. I said, thanks a lot. And think about this I'm praying on Maui and God flies me into New York for one conversation So said well what's going to happen I don't know but they've told us that we got some money and we got to get the I don't know I don't know and, and you know what's happening now get this You know, our shopping center in Hollywood is paid off. And Pastor Josh, because I, you know, when I pay off something, I want to keep it paid off. But Pastor Josh came to me and said, Dad, Dad, listen, we need to redo the roof. All the air conditioning system is blown. Need to redo the flooring. I need a million dollars. I said, son, are you telling me you want to refinance? The shopping center for that? He said, yeah. And I, he said, well, why don't, we, why don't we include Alaska as well? So we are, look at this. The money that we got from the sale of the property originally helped to build and remodel our church in Honolulu. And now our church in Honolulu is going to get mortgage to release money to build this building here. Give and it shall be given you. Press down. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. (laughs) So you pray this will all go through. We got to get the shopping center uh, appraised. and, And if it does, we may be able to start the project again by February. And. We'll just see. So you pray your ears off. I hope to come back and nobody has any ears. They've all been prayed on. You see, God answers prayer. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you've received it and you shall have it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Somebody in this house needs to believe that. You have no idea what God wants to do, but when you pray, the dead can rise. Third thing he did is when he got down there, he did something very strange. threw his arms around the young man and said, don't be alarmed, he's alive. I read that and said, Paul, is that it? (laughs) I mean, did he get a cracked head? Did he break his back? Are the legs working? That's all he says. Don't be alarmed, he's alive. I said, Lord, what is that? I believe Paul wrote, I believe he spoke by revelation. And he made a faith-filled declaration. Say it with me, a faith-filled declaration. And there comes times where you just have to point your finger at the problem and give a faith-filled declaration. Don't be alarmed. He's alive. (laughs) Don't keep focusing on your failures. Instead, focus on what God has done and what God is doing. (laughs) So oftentimes problem, that rejection, that frustration. That thing that didn't go right and we're blaming so and so and so and so. Some of us end up blaming ourselves for the rest of our lives. If I could have only made the right decision. Stop it! You're not dead yet! God can turn things for good even in spite of your stupidity! But if you keep looking at the problem and blaming this and blaming that and blaming yourself, you will never have your miracle. You speak faith-filled declarations. You declare he's alive. And finally, Paul goes up and he continues to preach till morning. And the Lord spoke to me and said, keep on ministering. Paul continued to preach. Some people get hurt or they felt failure. They never get back to ministering. No, we must do whatever we need to do in order to fulfill God's plan in our lives. And it may not be what we were doing, but that doesn't keep us from not ministering. Everybody needs help. There have been those who failed morally and they, you know, they disqualify themselves from being able to do certain things. I understand that. But that doesn't mean they can't be used by God. They could be the greatest prayer warrior the world has ever seen. They could be people that serve with their hair on fire, as Pastor Kirsten says. They could be people that could do great things for God. But they allow the enemy to constantly... Berate them because they blew it. Are you hearing me here today? I'm absolutely convinced of something that if everyone in this house became what God called you to be, Alaska would be saved. The enemy tries to put failure. You know, I read a book just recently of a man who went to a city and failed horribly in planting a church. Failed. Young man. And he failed horribly. And God called him to another city. And he planted a church there. That church is now touching the entire nation. You see, he didn't allow the failure to limit what God could do. Because God can raise the dead. Are you still with me here today? So embrace your problem. Face it. Pray. Do faith-filled declarations and keep on doing what God's called you to do. And you say, well, pastor, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have miracles after miracles after miracles. As long as you still keep blaming, the problem will be there. But if you'll turn your attention to the Lord, he'll allow you to learn from the mistakes you've made and his power will be released. Remember who you are. So, uh, who am I, Pastor? You're not only a child of the living God, you're a temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost dwells in you. And when the Holy Ghost dwells in you, miracles can happen. Paul talks about in Romans eight twenty six 26, how, how in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and he prays through us and intercedes through us. Let the Holy Ghost out. He says in verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. You're full of the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of the Holy Ghost. Ghost. If God be for us, who can be against us? All of that's in chapter 8 of Romans. And he concludes in verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. From this day on, you look at your problems as an opportunity for God's power Amen. to flow through you and do miracles. Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air. Let's praise him. Come on, lift your voice and let's praise him. Come on. Tinda. In dalada ma ba ba dalada ma ba ba da te In Hallelujah. 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 I've done my part. You do your part. You pray. You give faith-filled declarations. You say, are you sure all this is going to happen? All I know is there's a God in heaven. And if something doesn't work, God's got something else for us. If I'll pray and I'll believe, God's going to do the miracles. If I'll stand strong and face what I have to face, God will do the miracles. There's some here tonight that you've faced difficulties and you've faced problems. It's not that you don't believe God, you do. But for some reason, that problem has become a wall that has tried to rob you of faith tried to rob you of joy it may be in a relationship it may be in a business it may be something that's happened in your past or some confusion as you, i don't know what to do but i'm here to tell you that in one moment's time god can give you revelation he can show you the way through You say, Pastor, you're talking about me and I'm believing God. I'm believing God for a miracle in my situation. If that be you, lift your hand in the air. I'm going to pray for you. Spirit of the living God, I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to come in power and in might. I break off the power of the evil one that's trying to bring confusion and bondage and I declare. I declare the dead will rise. I declare life will flow. I declare healing is the children's bread. And I declare you're going to do great and mighty things through this house and through each one whose hand is raised. You're going to turn it to good. You're going to turn it to good. You're going to turn it to good. I declare it tonight. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Shabala Rama Batete. Rama Tete. Rama Tete, Shabala Rama Rama God's healing somebody right now. You felt like somebody hit you in the stomach. The pain is right here in your lower abdomen area. Where are you? Come quickly. Quickly come. The power of God's presence to heal. Shabbat. Lift your hands in the air, honey. New Dashers, quickly come. Shabbat. Ah, Telaramapati. Shabbat. Shabbat, Telaramapati. It's a very strange condition. Is there someone else? Come here, honey. Come here quickly. Shabbat, Telaramapati. Oh, Telaramapati. It's a very strange condition. I don't know how I can describe it. But i'll describe it what the spirit said it's like you're jittery it's like some it's i think it's a nerve problem of some kind of, or, or a reaction to something you eat i don't know what it is but it, it's just that you get like this and, and it's almost kind of like a panic where are you quickly come honey are you standing here for something what is it lift your hands the power of god's coming on you shabatati that's the power of god Where's that one? I think it's a nerve thing. I don't know. I'll just speak it out what I saw. Shabbat. Where are you? Is that you, honey? Lift your hands in the air. Power of God's coming on you. Shabbat. Oh, oh. In the name of Jesus, I speak to these nerves and I command you to be at peace. Now. In Jesus' name rest will come to you healing is flowing in your body panic go in jesus name jesus name sunday night i was preaching in fort worth power of god came like he's coming now he's reminded me that i need to do the same thing i said there are people here that are having a hard time sleeping they're they can't rest at night a lady came forward I laid my hands on her and today when I called back just to see how things were doing one of the pastors who answered the phone said pastor that lady who came forward was my sister-in-law and God healed her for three nights now she's had perfect sleep she's never had that for years Hallelujah. God's doing it again yes. if that be you just step in the aisle quickly quickly come Come, come, come on up here. Come on up here. If it's you, come on up here. Just come on up here. God's going to give you rest. He gives rest to his servants that he loves. Quickly come, quickly come. That's good. Just stand there, honey. The power of God's going to hit you. Just lift your hands in the air. Now I bind the dreams that at times come to you and cause your frustration and fear. I break it now in the name of Jesus and I command if I leave a thing take your hands off and I speak a healing over her blood system Shabbala Rama every part of her body and the Lord she will have rest you will give her rest Shabbat people pray in the Holy Ghost come on now come on just pray in the Holy Ghost Shabbala Rama Ramabakotete Shabbala Rama. Jesus touch him. Shabala His mind would stop racing. And then Lord you would do a marvelous work. Shabala Rama Shabala Pastor Daniel, you and your team come lay hands on people. Power of God's present to heal. Come on. Pastor Karen, come on. Shabala Power of God's present to heal. Ah, ah. Shabbat Chopati. You foul thing, take your hands off of her now. Break your hold. You will not afflict her anymore. Your power is broken by the blood of the Lamb. Shabbati. Healing flow. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord be healed. In the name of the Lord be healed. Shabbatama rest. To the weary Lord. You are a rest. You are rest. You are rest. Shabbalama. People pray in the Holy Ghost. Shabbalma Pati. Where's that person who's been having tremendous pain in the very lower part of your back? Where are you? Come here, honey. Come here. You're getting a double portion tonight. Shaba Rama. Oh te. Pain go now. Shabbat, there's more. There's more than one. Shabbat, Shabbat, be healed in Jesus' name. Who else is there? Come here. Come here, is that you? Shabbat, be healed now. Pain completely go. Break the hold. Shabbat, hallelujah. Someone else? come here honey lift your hands in the air power of God's on you the moment you stood there Holy Ghost come oh my that's the power of God honey. that's God's power just washing over you there's a warmth that's going straight down your back healing power of the Lord is present overwhelm her right now touch her now be healed in jesus want everyone in the house if you have an infirmity you put your hand where that infirmity is power of god's present to heal shaba spirit of god i'm asking you now to come in power and in might heal we lay hands on the sick we lay hands on ourselves in declaration that you are our healer And I declare, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. My Jesus. Shabbatiti. 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 Sweetheart, the power of God's on you. The moment you step forward, the Lord saw that and said, going to touch you tonight confusion is going to go from your mind as well burdens that have been heavy on your soul God is lifting shapatiti you're gonna have clarity to know what to do and how to do and there will be a peace that passes understanding that will come upon you shapatiti Shabbatiti, Shabbala Ramapati, Shabbala Papati, Shabbatiti, Shabbatiti, Shab-a-la-ram-a-ba-ti. Shabbatiti, Rise up man of God, rise up man of God, Shabbatiti, Shabbati. I need to may have some people make some commitments tonight. We face the most crucial moment in the history of this church. We're a great church here. There's no question. And God has graced this church. He's brought people like you in this house. He's filled you overflowing in the spirit, and you're a great people. But he weeps over the state. He's looking for a people that will rise up and say, we'll be the people you can use. These next six months, I'm going to ask you to make commitments to pray like you've never made before. When you drive around that property, make faith-filled declarations. Please, please. And don't let anything in your life rob you. Of the miracles God has for you and together (laughs) it'll be fun to see what God does I want you to be seated for just a moment I want to ask you to do something with me at every banquet at every service I've been at I've received a special offering it doesn't go to me it goes right into this church but I end up giving in every offering On Sunday, I was preaching for a friend of mine in Fort Worth, a great church, and felt led to receive an offering for the church. Oftentimes, you have a guest speaker, and it's right to have the offering go to the guest speaker. But I told the pastor, look, I'm going to preach on the sevenfold blessing that comes with giving, and I'm never going to preach on giving and take an offering for myself. That's not right. So... Someone take an offering for the church. So, at the end of the service, I received an offering for the church, and it was really kind of funny because I said to the Lord, "Lord, what do you want me to give?" And the day before, my wife, you know, she went to Dallas with me, and she went to Dallas so she could go shopping. Now I know other women don't do that, but my wife did. There's a store there called Cato's and some other store, and they re- she really likes that so. So she said, I'm buying all my Christmas shopping. So Saturday night when I came back from the board meeting that I was at most of the day, she'd had all these gifts. I said, how much money did you spend? Oh, I had some good deals. That's not what I asked. How much money did you spend? She said, about $1,000. I said, $1,000. Well, I had to buy for all the grandkids and the kids and, I even bought something for you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to do in this offering? He said, how much did your wife spend on Christmas gifts? You ought to at least do that for me. So I wrote out a check for $1,000 and put it in the offering for my friend's church. I don't know what God's going to speak to you to give tonight. I'm gonna tell you where it's going. It's going right here to touch Alaska with the gospel, and I know the needs here. You have a great staff. You got a great ministry, and we need thousands and thousands of dollars. Your, ma- your pastor is a great man of faith. I love him. I love my entire team. They're all tremendous people. You know, if you'd just traveled with me and saw all that God's doing and the tremendous dedication and commitment of, of the team that calls itself Casey, it's beyond means sacrifice like you've never seen. I just said, God, you're doing such an awesome work. All I'm asking you to do is to lend your shoulder to the plow. Lend your heart to the vision. Let's do something together tonight. I'm going to give an offering. I want you to give. Ushers, would you come? And I want everybody to take an envelope. No matter what you give, just give something. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just come and put the buckets up here in the front. I'm going to ask you just to put it in the bucket. And we're going to just worship for a while. Because offering, listen, giving is an act of worship. You know that, don't you? You know that don't you so everybody takes something and whatever God speaks to you you give that amen I'm gonna I'm gonna get my uh, purse out Let me have my purse I need an offering envelope please and uh, and when you're ready to give just come on up and ushers where's the, where's the buckets ushers ushers is there buckets yeah just put some buckets up here in the front and uh, this is my purse. Huh?
0: You know, I think it, uh, I believe the Lord spoke to me about, um, you know, you're in Germany. At the, really the birthplace of the Reformation. How many of you know what the Reformation is? If, the, if there was no Reformation, we wouldn't be here right now. I believe that God is going to bring a, a great outpouring, not just here, but every place Casey is. And I, you know, one of the things I pray for, I'm not praying for a revival. I pray for an awakening. I pray for a reformation. I pray for a, like a revolution that causes a, re, a, a revelation that causes a revolution. Wouldn't it be amazing?
1: Sounds good to me.
0: Let me read this to you. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on the top of the mountains. And it shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations will flow to it. many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. and We shall walk in this path, for out of Zion will go forth the law, his word from Jerusalem. I believe that God is establishing us for the purpose of expanding his kingdom, not just here, but in the nations. I believe God has called us to it. Of course, this is, it's not the context of that scripture, but, but God's doing a great thing. I believe, come on, somebody believe for reformation. How about that? Glory to God. Come on, let's worship. Thank you, Jesus. Come and give, and we're going to pray over that afterwards. I trust, I trust, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust, you. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I you. I trust you. Come on. You're the lifter of my soul. In my weakness you are whole. I give to You and offer all of me. Here I am, Lord, take my soul.
1: It's in the middle. the same honest mark I because I trust you I trust you I trust in you because I trust you I trust you I trust in you cause I trust you I trust you I trust in you Everywhere you go, you. Everywhere you go, I'll follow. You know, follow Oh, come on, let's praise okay. Everywhere you go, I'll follow you. <laughs> I trust in you I trust you, I trust you I trust in you I trust you, I trust you, I trust in you I trust you, I trust you, I trust in you Pastor Daniel, could you bring the team up? All my pastors and ministers, come up. Come stand here, put that all in one pile. If you still have a gift, I want you to bring it. Because in a moment, we're going to lay hands out. We're going to ask God to multiply. Now listen to me. Every year, my wife and I believe God to give over 100000 every year. And, and I'm believing there's going to come a day where some people in Alaska are going to beat me and get That was a weak amen. amen. And this year, you know, there was a couple that came up to me after our giver's banquet on Maui, and they said to me, Pastor, we're gonna beat you in 2017. I said, try. (laughs) Second week of this year, she walked in and gave a gift of 100,000. And about two months ago, she walked in and gave another gift of 60,000. I had to call her and I said, I think you're beating me. You say, Pastor, you're crazy. I'm absolutely insane. I'm insane for Jesus. The world thinks I'm crazy, but I know that if I can believe for resources to come to my hands, I, He supernaturally provides for me, supernaturally, and I give it. Now, if I can believe for that, why can't you? There ain't any difference between us. It's just a matter of asking God. Now I'm going to ask you to pray for a multiplication of the offerings in this house. Do you have any idea what it's going to take to build that building? And the, and the amount of money that's got to flow through this house. And, and don't, don't say, oh, oh, I'm discouraged. Are you crazy? It's the most exciting thing on the planet because if the money's got to get here, God's got to give that money to somebody to get it there. Why not you? And there's always benefits when God blesses. So reach your hands out to this offering. We're going to believe it's going to be multiplied many times over. Lord, as I lay hands on this offering, I am declaring that you're going to raise up people in Alaska There will be 100,000 givers, $100,000 givers every year. People that will pour resources into this house. People that will give more than they've ever given in their life in this coming year. And Lord, there'll be plenty of money to build that building and to build it cash. And Lord, we'll have money to start extensions from here all over the world, all over the world. And you'll raise up leaders that will go to Europe and will go to the West Coast and the East Coast and on and on and on. And out of Alaska will come an army of believers that will affect this world. So bless this offering and bless those who gave it. Big or small, bless it. Multiply it back to my brain. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. Before we close our service with every head
0: bowed, every eye closed, if you're here, perhaps online with us tonight, we want to be sure that you're on your way to heaven. God forbid this would be the last day that you live, but we're all going to die. When we die, you will face... Either eternal damnation or heaven, and that's dependent upon whether you've repented and believed on Jesus or not. Damnation for those who have not. Salvation in heaven for those who have. There really is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those online, those here under the sound of my voice, if that's you, you wanna give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you wanna make a recommitment to him all across this place, you say, that's me, Pastor. Or maybe you need to recommit because you drifted. Give your heart to Jesus. want to recommit. You've drifted away. Or maybe you just want to be sure because the devil lies to you. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right now? You want to get right with God? God bless you all the way in the back. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty over on this side. God bless you. Wonderful. Let's pray this prayer. Come on, pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. And come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent for all of my wrongs. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer.